Welcome, this is the Teaching Excellence Podcast for all things FE, teaching, learning, assessment, quality and possibly a few other things along the way. Hosted by Steph Wilkinson and Jade Gibson, leaders in FE who want to support others and make a difference and hopefully spread a little happiness whilst we're at it. Hello and welcome to the Teaching Excellence podcast. I'm joined again today by Joanne Miles. Hi Joanne, how are you? I'm good, thank you Steph. Nice to be here with you again. Yeah, I, I always look forward to our catch-ups and we we go all over the place but um, very sort of current thinking together which is great. Um, how have you been? Bit, bit screen crazy but apart from that, like everybody, having my one walk a day and today's bright so that's a good thing that I'm just trying to focus on for today and it's get through one day at a time I think like everybody. Yeah, no it is and I've been making a specific effort to do um, something outside every day and I, mm. I do feel that definitely helps. It's, I'm same as you, um, so much screen time, yeah. even just talking to family and friends. It's, exactly. My eyes are very tired at the minute. So. Me too, me too. Yeah. It makes your head feel quite strange, doesn't it? So kind yeah. of any break from it in a bigger, with a bigger horizon, I think is really good. Yeah, so um, we thought we'd talk as usual about quality, but we would talk about all things that are coming up over the last um, few weeks and we want to focus quite heavily on quality improvement and where people are at what people are saying and the and some of the work that you're doing with colleges on observations it's a big question um lots of people asking the questions but not quite sure where to go what to do it feels like a lot all at once um yes. and lots of changes but the door is open for change and so. um I think we're getting there, you know, with in places, there's lots more focus on support and development. So, yeah, what have you been talking to people about? I think you're right that around quality, it's a really interesting time for schools and colleges because Mm -hmm. previously they had their quality assurance regimes. They had their checklist, their sense of criteria and standards around the old world when we were working pretty much in classrooms with a little bit of online on the side. Now we're working in radically different and complex ways, even within institutions. So I'm seeing a range of some schools who are still working on print and post as their main technique and they're not delivering live learning. Mm-hmm. Some other schools are delivering a, a blended package of online learning with some materials going home to students. Mm-hmm. Some other places, schools and colleges are working through Microsoft Teams or Google Classroom and are delivering quite a sophisticated blended package. Mm-hmm. There are some places working in terms of hybrid model where they've got the students at home and in the classroom simultaneously, which we spoke about on another episode. Mm-hmm. Really, really complex way of delivering learning with lots of challenges for the staff and the students. Mm-hmm. So within that, trying to define what quality is what good looks like and how we speak about that I think is really complicated so I've talked with the clients that I've been working with about the importance of stepping back at the moment and starting to think about looking more thoughtfully at the practice that is going on in your institutions and trying to get a sense of what's really happening yeah and collaborating with the teachers and the learners in terms of feedback before we start making clear sets of standards and checklists and quality controls around this provision. Because for me at the moment, it's still forming its identity. Yes, and I've noticed exactly the same. People are wanting to answer the question, 
yes. is good or better quality when it comes to whichever model you know is being yes. used and and even like you say within a institution lots of different things are being used precisely um, and so people are rushing the answer to that question yeah and, and I was working with a college um a few weeks ago which was was which was similar we took a step back as an observation team that said well let's review the principles of what we're trying to do yes. and then let's observe what is going on exactly but then you and I had that conversation earlier didn't we that then it's about looking at what is happening and involving the staff in the discussion completely because this can't be something where a quality team has some magic template now of what it should look like because I would challenge any quality team that I'm working with in the country to yeah. tell me exactly how the multiple blended learning models that they're, they're offering as provision now should look I don't think we have that understanding yet if we're completely honest because this is a new way of working as you rightly said there are sources of research out there that people can mm. be accessing yeah. there are things on the BERA website on JISC on Education and Training Foundation, on Education Endowment Foundation, all of which give good practice guides, give study and research summaries that people can really tap into to get a sense of what good might look like mm -hmm. in the wider sense from people who have that expertise and have been looking at that for years. I feel like that first piece of research and evidence collation needs to be done by looking at the outside work first pulling that those ideas into your institution for debate yes. and discussion and then begin to work with your staff and your learners to form a sense of what good might look like so for me we've maybe rushed along with that pressure that all quality teams have well, we had understandably to in March, didn't we yeah we had to we had to go that's right everyone online or everyone you know is at home what do we do how do we do it what do we think we should be doing completely but now now we've started a new academic year it is that time to ask the questions and That's breathe right. a little bit I'm not wouldn't neither of us are saying you know stop trying no, no. to do what you're doing it's it's definitely about asking the questions and and widening the discussion completely and yeah I think where I've seen most impact or or other people have reported impact it's where they're having that discussion that the space is to talk about teaching yes. um, whether it be a you know coffee and chat type um, you know, and focusing on what is working completely, not focusing on not spending too much of the focus on what isn't working. Yes, I think we need a really strong focus on what's helpful. Yes. What are we noticing learners are responding well to that we need to harness? Mm -hmm. I think we do need to tackle problem areas, but we need to tackle them with that very solution focused, positive, creative head mm -hmm. in terms of exploring new things. But you're, I think you're completely right to say we have to have plenty of conversations at different levels of the organisation through different channels to try to gather that sense of what's really going on. Mm -hmm. So my concern for some quality teams that I'm working with is this feeling of we need to have a new framework so we've revised the old framework and we've just put the words in like online and digital and virtual have just been tweaked into the old document so that the actual process hasn't been rethought yes and for me there's a massive danger there because the disconnect between that document and that process and the reality for teachers and learners on the ground will mm -hmm. cause that rift between those two functions and I think that's actually really dangerous for organizations at the moment we need to stay aligned to what's happening on the ground and as you rightly said that's about the conversations yeah. keeping it's the contact so and finding out together yeah it's really dangerous to just tweak the word in aha uh -huh. in what already existed 
actually I think those that are going to thrive yes it will take a bit more investment and time and um and like you say discussion yes those that are going to thrive are the ones that go okay so this isn't really now where we're at this policy we had and even I'd quite like to challenge people who who had a, a policy or a process that that really felt like it was working uh-huh me too and, and still look at that you know critically reflectively and say okay how which of those bits are really helping them having an impact on staff development and staff well-being and, and mm-hmm. feeling supported and encouraged and then how can we nudge it forward again and um, but those that are just tweaking wording I don't think that will end well unlikely to be fit for purpose and mm-hmm. likely to create um almost a misapprehension of what's happening in your organization with your staff and your learners and I feel like for moving this forward in a way that is good quality for staff and for students we need to stay really on the ground in terms of the conversations about what's going on what learners are experiencing and what staff are experiencing and quality needs to come from that experience first and then allied to our sense of what's out there in the research around blended learning and approaches and what we understand about learning principles the kind of deeper things that we do know about learning about learner engagement about prior learning the things that you and I've spoken about many times it's bringing that all together in a reconceptualization of quality both in the thinking and the processes and the documents I think yeah totally and I I envisage this constant flow of information and feedback from students great not waiting for December surveys and surveys you know it's that constant just easy whether it be Google or Microsoft Forms you know that quick sort of instant feedback from both staff and students yes really regularly yeah so they're just on a fortnightly basis you can see you know that it's always there as a bit of a feedback form you know classes might do that once a week um, and literally like three or four simple questions but you can get that feedback how do we what what's helping you to learn what could be better totally where are the barriers and the obstacles because you still need to be honest that there are so many things that we need to be tackling both about digital divide about skills about device access about how learning platforms are used, but also about the wider issue of how we engage learners in motivating ways through blended delivery. So I think you're completely right. If we had regular on the ground feedback loops happening, that information then brought to team meetings where curriculum managers who are gonna be critical in this process for me can be discussing with their teams, what are we learning right now? Yes. And what adjustments can we make? Yeah, it's always about what do you do with the information you collect? Completely. You know, it's if, and I think I know I've said this often, um, but I'll keep saying it. It's, you know, if you are collecting information to write in a report, you collect uh-huh. the information for the wrong reason. You totally are. Yeah. <laughs> so You're just an auditor. <laughs> yeah. Let's face it. And, and, and are even, we that? I think we're way more than that. Yes, we're so yeah. we're so much more than that. And and regardless of what your whether your quality assurance, quality improvement, or you know, a mix of the two. It is about how do you use the information to best, you know, talk about teaching and learning in your teams and look at what we could do to nudge things forward. It's got to be that constant flow of information and and critical discussion where we're focusing on where is it working well? How can we move it forward? Absolutely. 
I, I just always say to, to senior teams, quality teams, development teams, it's the what, so what, now what conversation. It's what are you doing, which is about noticing, capturing and identifying relevant information. So I'm not against tracking in and of itself. No. I'm against the reductive auditing style of that, where really that's where it stops. If we have the what information gathered thoughtfully from different sources, then it's the so what, which is what is it telling us? Yeah. What can we see there that we need to do something about? How can we interpret that information thoughtfully, usefully? Mm. And then the now what is what the heck are we going to do about it? Yeah. For me is where more conversations need to be sitting right now. So it needs to be gathering that information from different channels and having those rich conversations really focused on what we need to do next yeah. to drive the improvement. I'm really concerned if quality teams at the moment are being directed to really be predominantly QA, quality yeah. assurance, at the moment, it is so essential that they are really a bit of QA with a lot of QI quality improvement, because we have a lot to do in this sector, I think, to really get to a point where we feel comfortable and confident and that we're delivering a really great standard of blended learning across the piece. Mm. Everybody who's working is honestly saying to me, we are grappling week by week with trying to make this better and some things are getting better and some things are working and we're noticing them, but it's going to be a massive year. Yes, huge. That. So it, it, QI has got to be really married together with, with QA. Yeah, and just on those points, actually, Joanne, I, when you were talking about, you know, it's got to be about that, so what? Yeah. It has to be about, so what is the information telling us? I really like that way of thinking about it. What is the information telling us? And then what do we need to do next? That thinking is not just the quality team. No. That thinking is the teachers with the quality team or the teach everybody involved in that in that discussion about so what is it telling us absolutely and, and I think I don't think that happens anywhere near enough no the quality look at the data we we decide what needs to happen yes actually that that thinking space around the data what are we noticing and what maybe we could do yes. if you if you nail that I think there's magic there in involving you know everyone in that discussion being inclusive and then appreciating diverse thinking around that Absolutely, because if we separate off the QA, QI level as the, you know, the surveillance, the police, the negative image that they can have in some colleges because of the disconnect from the work on the ground that can happen because of the auditing focus culture that we've been developing in the sector over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. If we separate them like that, we're not going to be able to tackle this well. If we can harness both sources of information and both sets of expertise and we come together more effectively, I feel there's a really good chance we can really start to speed up the great work that is definitely going on in a more fragmented way yeah. with pockets of people who are not joining up enough I think I've been talking about this snowball effect yes and I know people like I am an optimist I know I'm really I have a really positive outlook but there is a snowball effect of positivity yes. and if you shine the light on the on the what's working and yes. it really does accelerate the the momentum absolutely there's and a special energy around that bright spots looking for bright spots mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So um, talk to me about some of the work you've been doing on um, observations. Um, I know you've been doing some work with Matt O'Leary on um, unseen observations. So I'm interested in that. It's a really interesting thing. I'm going to share screen with you because I've got the model so that that should be useful for, oh, for people to see. Okay, cool. So if you listen to the audio version, I will get Joanne to maybe give me like um, a link to a slide or something. That Great. You look and at. I've got lots of things on my blog site actually about this. Okay, I've got perfect. blogs written. I've got some of the research behind it and some of Matt's work as well. So 
really interesting, the unseen observation cycle emerging from writing by Professor Matt O'Leary some time ago, actually, in his first book mm -hmm. um, called Classroom Observation, and now written up in more detail in the second edition of that book. We've been working on it together in different settings this year because we think this is a very interesting model to bring to the current situation in the pandemic in particular. Mm -hmm. It's around teachers really starting to own the focus of planning for a lesson and then reflecting on a lesson with someone else. Mm -hmm. So instead of having a lesson that is observed by a colleague or a quality team member or a coach, the focus is on the reflective dialogue at the planning stage and the revaluation stage afterwards between the teacher and the coach or the teacher yeah. and the peer. So the interesting thing here for me is the teacher's ability to focus on something that they really want to work on, which you can so see important. here on the slide in stage yeah, one. So important. Focus in the conversation reflectively on planning the session and talking about their thinking around how they plan that session, their assumptions about learning, about the group, about the tech, maybe if it's mm -hmm. a virtual lesson and then delivering that session without the intervention of having an observer present. The interesting thing there is having no observer present means you don't have any issues around the Hawthorne effect, which is well written about in research, that the way that any observer affects the dynamic in the room and your choices and your decisions as you deliver that lesson. There is an intrinsic effect of having somebody in the room. So without this, we're really focusing on the teacher's thinking process, their experience in that session, and the reflective discussion afterwards. Mm -hmm. This obviously really lends itself to people thinking about delivering new virtual lessons. Mm -hmm. And that challenge of trying to develop their practice to be effective in virtual spaces. So using this as a developmental loop to work with an observer, a manager, a coach, a peer, to think about a particular virtual lesson that you're going to be delivering. So the interesting thing I've noticed with this cycle is this is now being explored in many different contexts in, in the FE sector and also in schools. Mm -hmm. It's being used by coaching teams, offering it as a small scale intervention to work with individuals. Yeah. It's being offered in some colleges as the new observation process to look at virtual delivery. Okay in a very thoughtful evaluating kind of way with the teacher as opposed to the judgment and assessment model yeah. it's what are we learning how are we growing and it's using this cycle to really trigger those conversations being rich and thoughtful so i think it's a really interesting one to share what when you look at it what, what appeals to you steph what strikes you about it i just really like how you know i've always championed professional development coaching approaches and because the power in people being able to, you know, create that sustainable movement forward in their practice is about reflection. It, Absolutely. But I, I feel quite, I've always been quite um, passionate about the fact that you can't just ask someone to reflect and not support them to reflect. Indeed. You know, you can't just say, go away and think about what you're doing um, it has to be we have to support people to think is the way that I often talk about that you know yes. provide you know thinking frameworks or yes. um, coaching frameworks and I know we have that in common don't we 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 see the power of coaching and mentoring and this for me is definitely something that um, the collaborative planning in particular Yes. You know, we're alongside your advanced practitioner teams, I think is really powerful. And then for tutors to come back and have that reflective discussion with an advanced practitioner after a session, for me, that's 
probably going to be much more powerful than getting people just to attend mandatory training. Absolutely. For example. Um, and I mean, you don't even need to use the word observation if you don't, if you don't want to, you know, Absolutely. if you're in a really developmental place, this is just, this could be one of your professional learning strands or options. And because we know sometimes people get worried about the word observation, don't they? But, you know, ultimately it's about helping people to think about what they're doing, reflecting on, on what worked, what didn't work, how the students responded, what was hard, and more importantly, helping them to decide how did they learn best as a teacher? Yes. And what's going to help them to move forwards? Absolutely. And you're right that to mention the, the, the idea of it fitting into a CPD cycle. One college I know, they, they have Guernsey College, they have the One Thing project where teachers are really developing one aspect of their practice across a year. And they have yeah. a range of options on the menu of how they might choose to develop their practice. One of their options is going to be unseen observation. So they could choose to work with a colleague or a member of the coaching team to reflect on that in a rich and thoughtful and safe way. Yeah. And I think this also links through to the feeling of if there's nobody in the room with an assessment checklist mm -hmm. grading me judging me feeling like the police I am going to feel really relaxed in the experimentation I'm going to feel really thoughtful and able to have all of that experience without that pressure yes. which at the moment bearing in mind the level of pressure we have in the sector it's a really positive thing I think to start to think about how can we be supportive and developmental without adding additional pressure to a really stressful experience for teachers already yeah and I would say it, people would be silly to go away, add this to their professional development framework, still do all the judgmental observations yeah. as well. You know, it's it's not about that, is it? It's no. about the notion is to move away from the checking of to the checking in on and helping to support development, not, you know, was. I'm not quite sure how we ever got to that point. Maybe I haven't been in FE long enough, but I've been in it a long time now. But, yes. you know, we ever, I don't know how we ever got to that point where everything became about checking on yes. people. Because if you read anywhere, any sort of um, performance and motivation type stuff, you don't get it by scrutinising. Yes. Um, so I think it's really important that colleges are really reflecting on what are they doing with their staff? What are the processes, things like this to help change the the perception of yes. professional learning and observation and quality? Absolutely. I think, I think this plays a real part in that moving the perception forward and how people really feel it at that college or at that school about their professional development how they experience this I think you're right so this is for me this is a lot about culture shift work in many yeah. settings I'm seeing places where they've said to me we want to be more reflective we want to trust staff yes. which is kind of an interesting statement but we, we want to trust staff to develop practice we want to put the ownership more as personal professional learning these kind of tools models techniques processes can really support that mm -hmm. because as you live this cycle it's a radically different experience when I've been training people on it, um, on how to develop the cycle, as you rightly said, we've got the skills development needed around the coaching and reflection for mm -hmm. stage two and stage seven, in stage five in particular, mm -hmm. um, and six. So within that, we need that work to be embedded in, within that bigger cultural piece of work. I experienced the model myself with a co-trainer, somebody I was working on another programme with. We talked at the point I was planning the session. She didn't attend. 
and then we talked afterwards and I thought I was really fascinated by the experience of that for myself of a really rich thought-provoking chat in stage two and then when we met in stage six I brought lots of detail she probed she asked a lot of questions to get me to clarify what had happened she really think about the details of the session Mm. she asked quite challenging questions a lot of rigor in the conversation around actually what had happened and what did how did I interpret that and it was a very liberating thought-provoking session that gave me loads of professional growth so as an experience I can vouch for the fact that this when executed well is entirely different from an observer with a checklist well I suppose the the upside of someone not being there is that they will ask more questions so that yes articulate what happened yes because they weren't there and they don't bring baggage because they they did yeah they didn't see it they didn't hear it they completely they will have to be more um have that sort of inquiry-based approach to really get the details which is really thought-provoking yes which is which is great i am met with the quality managers yesterday so the quality managers group that I, I bring together it was really interesting we do um we've moved our it was Tuesdays 8 a.m we had like a lockdown little group that kind of came yes. to had a brew on a Tuesday um back in March and um that's kind of just it's not it people are struggling to make 8, 8 a.m now they're commuting or you know whatever at that time yeah. um so we moved it to a Wednesday is 12 to one, like a lunch chat. And it was really, it was great actually yesterday. And, you know, I know it was kind of a handful of people, but I really get a sense that this shift that we've been forced into has really helped us to think about the door is now open. Yes. For us to be, well, there is a real need. It's very obvious. You can't avoid it to really support staff and yes. think about what we're doing. Yes. And I'm glad of that because me too. You know, people talked to me yesterday about, they talked about deep dives yeah. and, you know, I always, you know, I wriggle a little bit when we talk Ofsted words and speak. Yeah. Um, but I always appreciate it and I understand. Um, but it for me, it's always been, what, how do you get the real sort of coaching and mentoring approaches within within that type of mm-hmm. um, process? So it's interesting. Again, the question always is when you collect the data, what do you do with it? Yes. Some real, you know, great conversations um, or people saying they're having really great conversations with curriculum managers and um, how how teacher learning is looking in their yes. departments, which is great. And people were talking about induction and this would fit into induction really nicely, take yes. the pressure off a little bit. Absolutely. Um, and and, and we, that- yeah, they, sorry, they mentioned the collaborative planning element of it, which is powerful, isn't it? It is fantastic for people to have the thinking space with someone before they deliver. And I was going to say, it made me think, as you were saying, that there's a quality team, big quality team in the, in the North of England, a huge college group, who've said to me, actually, we're going to use this cycle as our work together on evaluating remote teaching and learning. Right. And we're not going to call it the quality observation cycle for this part. It's going to be about evaluating what's happening. And it's about a collaborative conversation yeah. with the teachers and the learners. And instead of going in with criteria, we're going in with a list of questions right. to ask and discuss together to try to develop our thinking and our understanding. Yeah. So you, I think you're completely right. It's a huge opportunity for innovative yeah. shift, thinking about where we want to take our institutions and how best to respond to where we are now. I think it, the door is really open yeah I think yeah and that's you know we always get excited about that sort of stuff don't we you know that 
that movement towards something that feels much more supportive, encouraging, and really helps people to move forwards. And, you know, we all know that there's well-being is on the radar. We yeah. all know that, you know, staff retention has been an issue in FE and, and yes. because we have a real need for specialists um, in FE. Um, and it's important that we do everything we can to really help people think about their practice. So this is a really useful model for people to kind of explore and and think about how they use it in, in different ways, which is great, isn't it? It's not it's not a model that everyone has to use in the same way, even. No, no, totally right. I think this is a tool that you can think about your setting and think, actually, where might this fit and give us some interesting, useful conversations and out of the end of it might give some very useful, reflective narrative about what we think is going on and what people are experiencing on both sides of the table I think it's it's a very flexible interesting tool but as you rightly said it sits in that place of supportive reflective developmental which is where I'm really keen to promote yeah. in terms of the ethos of the work yeah fab um yeah it's been great I am um, if you've got three things but I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit but um three things that you think people should focus on between now and Christmas what do you think they would be Building all the spaces for the conversations about what's happening on the ground. Yeah. Rethinking virtual visiting. Is it called observation? Is it called learning walk? Should it be called digital drop-in or virtual visit? Does it need to be entirely rebranded? I would suggest it does. Yeah. And then thinking ahead to how you can support the massive range of developmental needs that are going to emerge as you start to gather a sense of what the picture really is. Yeah. I think development is going to be huge in, in terms of the next sort of six to eight months of really trying to upskill staff to be as effective as they can to give them the tools they really, really need to grapple with the complexity of the setting we're going to be in. Yeah, it's really exciting, actually. And I would add, I totally agree with your three. And I would add in there probably um, like communication, really think yes. about how we communicate with teachers, how yes. we involve them in those discussions, how we use our language around developmental practice and how we evolve our practice. You know, the, just thinking about the words that we have, whether it be in a policy or whether it be in the, you know, I'm trying to encourage people to move away from emails. You know, I've always yeah. done that. But you know, how are we vlogging? How are we podcasting? How are we, how are we projecting those positive messages yeah. um, at this time across a college or across a school? Um, and you know, I think it's important that we we do push ourselves to just do things slightly differently that really help us to communicate differently as well. Absolutely. I saw a colleague said to me that we have a we have a Padlet that has lots of tech tools on and we've done bite sized sessions with staff like sharing one of the tech tools, showing the video clip, having the discussion about how we might use it. Staff have then gone away and explored that over the next three weeks. They've come back together in a meeting. They've done show and tell, yeah. which is really fantastic. And then they've posted onto another Padlet wall their own resources, how they've used that tool, their reflections. And the, and the college said to me, we're just starting to get the loop of, we are learning together, we've got a safe space, but the information is also getting stored using technology in a really useful, sustainable way. And I thought, what a great way of harnessing those conversations in a positive way, yeah. but collaboratively with others. Yeah, and it's not, you do this and then you've got to share this. No, no. <laughs> So yeah, Fab, it's been so good to talk to you as usual. So um, thanks for joining me, Joanne. Great, lovely, thanks, Steph. Okay, bye. Bye. 
thanks for listening to the Teaching Excellence podcast. Leave us a voice message in Anchor. Tweet us and let us know what you think or what you want to hear on the show. Tune in next week for more. Have an amazing week and be the best version of you.